Well, Suns fans, you can put it on the board, baby. The Phoenix Suns winning streak can now officially go see a rated R movie as it is 17 strong. No loss November is complete. The Phoenix Suns went 16-0. 16-0 in the month of November. They've won 17 straight. They're 18-3 and overall. And you know what, Matthew? I don't care if the national media doesn't give anybody any credit. The Suns earned it tonight. There's respect on their name. Fantastic yeah, I'm, win. I'm over that, John. The whole national media giving credit, it doesn't matter to me anymore, right? That whole thing's staged. The, the Kellerman and Max, <laughs> Max, I call him Max Kellerman. Oh my God, JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick and Stephen oh, A. Oh man. Okay. So yeah, yeah. JJ Reddick sticking up for the Suns. A lot of that stage. So I don't even believe that hype either. Who knows if that's even true? But the Suns came out, lost Devin Booker, still won the game. What's funny is Devin Booker versus Steph Curry. This is the first like real matchup Booker's had. Superstar to superstar with the team teams playing this well. And I think his whole career. I just don't remember. Like it was always like Booker versus Giannis, Booker versus another superstar, maybe, but when they're actually playing like the same position going head to head, it's, it is the first time, but it ended up a Suns win without those two really making a difference. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Suns did an effective job of negating Steph Curry this evening. And we'll definitely talk about that. Devin Booker went down with an injury, unfortunately in the second quarter, we'll talk about that so much to talk about on this edition of the Suns jam session podcast. So for those of you who are joining us live, whether it be on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, I tip my hat to you and thank you for hanging out with us after the game. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. And if you're not, on youtube head to youtube and then hit the thumbs up button if you're listening to this podcast please subscribe rate and review and if you're watching again on on youtube go to the podcast version once you're done and then go subscribe rate and review there you know lets everybody know where the best post game pod on planet orange is uh, again a massive victory for the phoenix suns one of the premier games when it comes to two high-quality NBA teams playing against each other. Uh, this game was the first in NBA history in, both, in which both teams entered with a win percentage of a win percentage of at least 0.85, so 85%, and mm-hmm. each on at least a seven-game win streak. And yeah. it's, it's also the fifth, fifth matchup with a combined win percentage of at least 87.5% in NBA history with a minimum of 20 games. So a historic game entering it. And a fun and entertaining game for the Phoenix Suns. They win by eight points by a score of one hundred four to ninety six. And uh, I just, I'm so, oh man, I was so engaged in this game. It was so much fun to watch. So, uh, Matthew, you're popping open a beer tonight, right? I do one more left in the fridge of the All shoots. Right. Nice, All get right. them the shoots IPA. I'm rocking my water over here. All right, there you go, water boy. Here, here we go. go. Pop them. Oh. And let's talk about a fantastic win for your Phoenix Suns. Cheers. Oh, so much, so much to talk about. I don't truly know where to begin on this one, Matthew. So I guess. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask, how did this game feel to you? I mean, was every possession, did you feel that weight almost like a playoff basketball game? Because I know I did. Yeah, I mean, I felt it from the beginning of the game, before the game, an hour before the game, when actually fans were showing up at the game. And they were talking about just the crowd there already. The buzz was already in the arena. And, I, you know, they had the uh, the Valley Court. They had the Valley jerseys. We haven't seen those in a little while mm-hmm. at home. Um, so you had that. Uh, I just, this game was so intense. It's almost like every pass was never crisp or clean. Everything was always touched by the defenders. Uh, nothing was really pretty. A lot of it. Uh, I know, of course, Steph Curry not making his threes. That's usually pretty but everything was just so narrowed down to possession by possession by possession. And the Suns, of course, keeping it close. Being like, oh, I mean, this is what they do, right? They keep it close. If Steph Curry's not going off, of course, that helps, but who cares, right? We're without Booker. I'm not going to hear that crap. If 
they keep it close. They are the most clutch team, of course, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But you lo- you lost Devin Booker, who is also the most clutch player right now in the NBA. But they still got it done. Chris Paul, I mean, every little possession just mattered so much tonight. And that's playoff basketball right there. Yes, absolutely. It's a different kind of basketball than when you're playing the Rockets on a Wednesday night. And don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the Suns are engaged in all of those possessions. But like you said, like you can feel this one. You could see the players were hyped up for this one in the yeah. pregame. You could see the crowd was there early and they were engaged. And it felt like a playoff basketball because of the reasons I stated earlier in the podcast. This was a heavyweight battle of two teams, one that gets a lot of attention from the media and the other one that's kind of like, well, you know, they're good, but, you know, we'll really see. Well, guess what? They proved it tonight. They went out there and they proved it. They played against the best team relative to opposing points per game in the Golden State Warriors, the number one defense in the league, the best defensive rating in the league. And not only did they impose their will when they wanted to, which I found interesting, but they also held them in check. And it's going to be one of the top stories uh, potentially tomorrow when it comes to Steph and Curry. And I guess I'll just, I'll ask you this one now, right off the bat, Mm -hmm. you know, the Suns held him in check in this game. If you look at his final box score, he was four for 21, three of 14 from deep, had 12 points, two assists, three rebounds. Now, I guess, you know, my question and the thing that's probably not going to necessarily be discussed is, are the Suns and Mikael Bridges going to get the proper credit for the job they did on Steph tonight? Or will it just be one of those nights for Steph? He, he just had an off night. Hmm. Oh, there's there's two ways you can go about it. A lot of Steph haters out there, of course, Steph has to show up in big games. And big games, what, 20 games into the season, is this really a big game? Yes, because now we're starting to talk about the MVP race. We're starting to talk about who, I mean, I was watching No Dunks today, who they had as MVP. Okay, Steph Curry is basically the runaway this is a big game because it's on first take we're talking about it all day long like who's going to come out who's a better team in the west the Suns are never really recognized as that but when you have Devin Booker and Chris Paul who seem like they can share the MVP trophy together one goes out and Chris Paul takes over he had take over in the third take over in the fourth towards the end of the game that's MVP right there right Mm -hmm. it's not Steph Curry and you can do what you want against Steph of course he's going to make his shots because he gets the distance in between defenders to where it's easy for him right to create that space DeAndre had a great block tonight against him which I mean he can guard pretty much anybody in the league right a little bit of help defense sometimes but he can go up against Steph he can start against those guys and it just shows you know if Steph can't get that three to go down of course there's not a whole lot he can do and it just seemed like the more and more the game went along, the more and more the Warriors started to shrink a little bit. Offensively and defensively, they kind of seemed like a no-name team out there compared to the Suns in the last five minutes. And that's what I'm just saying. That's what MVP does is what Chris Paul did. And mm-hmm. that's what a great team like the Suns, who were in the finals last year. I mean, you know, that that's a team that was in the finals looking to go again, 17 in a row. I mean, I don't know what else you can do to really prove yourselves as the best team right now in the NBA. Well, I mean, they are the best team in the NBA, and I don't think that there's any doubt about that right now. They're 18-3. and They're tied with the Warriors for that record, but now they have beat the Warriors, and they did so in a convincing fashion. You know, this isn't a game that came down to calls or, you know, one of the things that, uh, God, who was calling the game tonight? Was it Stan Van Gundy? Who was it? Yeah. No, Yes. Okay, I was Yes. Yeah, so, and what I like about something that Stan <laughs> said at the end of the game was he noticed that the uh, the Golden State Warriors had a ton of turnovers. They had 23 in this game to the Suns 13. And that's yeah. really a big story. And what he noted was the majority of those were forced by the Phoenix Suns. So going back to kind of the Steph Curry conversation, when you look at a box score where he shoots four for 21, and note that when he play, has played the Suns in the past, they have given him fits with Mikhail Bridges. This isn't a tr- this isn't just a, a blip on the radar. This is a trend. Mikhail Bridges, the warden, showed up tonight, locked in on Steph Curry, and made every shot for him hard. The, the effort that Steph had to put in wasn't as easy as when he's playing against the Rockets and he's shooting the ball and he's looking at the bench and smiling as it's going in because no one was around him to defend it. So it will be interesting to see how it will be spun. And, you know, did just Steph have an off night or will the credit be thrown on the Suns? Like they did what they had to do to 
ultimately negate his effectiveness. And, you know, they, they were saying they, the, they were giving the Suns their flowers on the national broadcast tonight, which, of course, makes me smile. But it'll be interesting to see moving forward what the uh, the pundits will say, if you will. So uh, obviously the other big news in this game is Devin Booker goes down in the second quarter with a hamstring injury. Uh, he does have a history of hamstring injuries, which is unfortunate. He had uh, 10 points in 15 minutes, was four for nine from the field. I mean, you could tell. Devin Booker was getting ready to cook in this game. This was going to be one of those 35, 40 pointers from Devin. And it's just, it's unfortunate that he loses uh, or the Suns lose him to that injury tonight, Matthew. That sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And I mentioned it right off the bat in the, in the podcast that, you know, this is the first time I really think Booker versus Curry is really something. This is something where Phoenix is now on the map. I mean, of course, Booker's never had does not have the career that Curry has. So when you're going against a guy and you're like, it's your your picture and Curry, you know it's something special. So we're all anticipating that. I feel like this happens a lot in sports. When you get that anticipation, it kind of goes the other way. I think the other team, the other team would stick up and just really quick for McKill to go back, you know, 41 minutes just nonstop defense. And that's all you're worried about from him. But yeah, Booker, I just he was getting to go, he was getting his offensive game going and the, the broadcast even started to mention it, you know, the mid range was going down. Uh, you can see he even dropped um, Steph Curry early in the game and got the mid range to go down. So he was playing his game. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was going to be a 30 point night again for book. And I didn't even know when he went out. I didn't even know that he was gone. Like I thought he was just on the bench resting. I didn't even notice that he did get hurt. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah. I was all over. Tw- I, I was all over Twitter tonight. So, okay. I mean, when he went out, I knew instantly that he went out because when he left the game with about five minutes left in the second, like he went straight to the locker room and mm. uh, Brendan clean from locked on sports or locked on Phoenix suns. He was talking about it. Uh, Dwayne Rankin, a bunch of those guys were like, Hey, Booker just went to the locker room. Uh Oh, kind of thing. Yeah. It's a bummer. Cause you knew it was going to be a big game and I hope it's, I mean, he's had these in the past where he's going to miss probably what a few games, but mm-hmm. just, I mean, I mean, they pick him up and I was going to ask you too earlier in the pod, you know, if, if book, I mean, because Booker was out, who was going to start the second half? I was texting next nephew Hayden. He said Cam Johnson, and I was like, I think it's going to be Payne. And they went with the right choice, right? Cam Johnson. Yes. Oh no, absolutely. Well, because you know, we'll transition to the Cam Johnson uh, mm-hmm. conversation here momentarily. I want to you know kind of give a couple thoughts on Book, and I like what Haydot Zero says in the chat. He says, "I'm I am happy and not happy that Booker was out because this team can learn to play better without him." You know, there is opportunity in this injury for the Phoenix Suns to do just that, as Zero mentioned. Like, yeah. you know, this is your top scorer who just went out. Granted, it's not the typical top scorer. Uh, he's not somebody who's dropping 30 of a game or 28 a game. He, he averages 22. But there's also the Western Conference Player of the Week. He had a fantastic road trip, 30 points a game on 50-50-90 splits. I mean, he was he's really starting to catch his stride, if you will. And then he goes out in a game where you know that he's just pushing it so hard because he wants to win. And you'd love that for the competitiveness that is Devin Booker. And after it's said and done, the team leaves with an 18-3 and record and Devin Booker has a hamstring injury. It Does it suck? Yes. But it's the Suns are 18-3. and They're 21 games into the season. And due to their record, they have time now allotted to them to allow him to get as healthy as possible. It's not like, oh man, you know, we're, we're fighting to get to a playoff spot. It's not like the old Devin Booker injuries when the sun sucked, where it was, you know, you had one or two options. One, let's continue to try to play him and give him an opportunity to try to push this team towards a playoff berth, or let's just put him on the bench and hope that we get the number one pick. So, you know, with Devin Booker's injury, again, it, it's, it sucks. There, there, there really isn't of uh, too much of a silver lining, but the slight silver lining that does exist is the fact that the Suns have this really strong 18 and three record and you could let him sit out for the next two weeks to rest the hamstring, right? <laughs> yeah. Just like Teandre Aiden. I mean, he took a few yeah. extra games, he took five games and all things, but no, it's because the Suns are just winning. You know, if they're winning, you have the backups playing. They are, and we could talk about Peyton and <laughs> the way he came into the game and then Cam- Cameron Payne, like how they kind of just didn't live up to their end. Yes. The we'll bar- get to them I, you know, too. We'll get to them, but <laughs> you know, we do have the depth and tonight when you're playing against the Bingo. Warriors and one defense, that's the reason those two kind of had a hard time to get things going. Bingo. Bingo. And as you mentioned, lights, Cameron, action. 
Cameron Johnson, uh, I was really a fan of his game tonight. He ended with 14 points, 5 of 10 from the field, including 3 of 7 from deep, uh, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and a block. And what was interesting about Cameron Johnson tonight was the fact that that is kind of who the Warriors were targeting on defense. Like Steph Curry had Mikhail Bridges glued to him. Mm-hmm. And so what they tried to do was create switches and mismatches in an effort to free up Steph. And their their goal was, okay, well, we'll target Cam Johnson. And Cam, like, is that a good idea? Because, you know, Cam Johnson, too, is a is a quality defender, right? Yeah, no, he he is. I mean, he's a step behind sometimes. I think they realize, like, out of all the players right now, who is still trying to learn, who's trying to advance their game defensively and offensively, it's Cam Johnson, right? Because there's still like the boneheaded plays that he might throw out there like tonight. You know, I mean, he he was wonderful, but there's still some things where he offensively, he was wide open. And I think the, the Warriors on the other end, on defensive end, they kind of left him wide open from three and a few mm-hmm. times. I don't know if that has to do with him driving to the rim, which he's still getting better at. But then also he has some plays where, I don't know if he knows how to drive and finish at the rim. Like he, he just ends up on the floor in a weird position and stuff. But while he's trying to hit his threes, he's pretty much wide open and that's fine. I think that the defense is not focused so much on that because if he starts to get hot, then he can bring it into the paint and finish there. But just some awkward finishes. Um, but the one play where, and it's a couple plays where he was running the fast break and kind of lost the ball. And then he gave it to Mikhail Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, gave it back to him and then he clanked it off the rim. Like those are the ones where Chris Paul pulled him to the side and was like, Hey, on that, just slow it down. That's what Chris Paul is trying to do this whole game. I feel like kind of slow it down, slow down the tempo. And I think Cam Johnson will go a little bit too far ahead out of his comfort zone and some plays. But right now you're seeing so much that is good to where those like couple boneheaded plays it's okay because he's still kind of learning like draymond green blocking him before the yeah end of the third quarter that's and bad positioning that's that's just yeah that's bad positioning like you said and i think that what he's trying to do there is maybe a little bit too much but then the time's running out he helps up so he kind of probably got embarrassed on that one especially like the reverse dunk he was trying to do or the reverse lay-in getting blocked on that one so those are plays i know he can finish it's just the positioning needs to be better for him and he's getting there right and i think in like the last 10 games his and including this game his stats have been bumped up and he's playing a lot better within that offense him and mikhail have a thing going on too uh released tomorrow there's an article that i wrote about him and mikhail and how they're just playing so well together and you want to see more of it i think yeah, and again, you know, defensively, you know, you, you pointed out a lot of his offensive uh, growth that he's displayed. And, you know, again, you're going to get that from him kind of throughout a game. You're going to get some great wide open shots because of spacing. You're going to get some of the plays where he knows what he's doing and some plays where he doesn't. But again, defensively, I think that the Warriors plan on attacking Cameron Johnson on defense, obviously it wasn't successful because Steph Curry had the night he had when he was guarded by both Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson. But if you look on NBA.com coming into this game, Cameron Johnson has a 97.9 defensive rating. That's pretty damn good. You know, I mean, you look at kind of the the worst guys on the team and, you know, Alfred Payton sitting at like a 109.5. So, you know, the switchability of Phoenix has obviously been a strength on defense for them this entire year. And it's something that a lot of national pundits have referenced about the Warriors is their switchability on defense, too. Both of these teams have a lot of really quality wing defenders who can shoot the three ball, right? That's the modern NBA for the most part. Uh, although the Suns are like 20th in the league and actually shooting the three ball relative to attempts, they're beating you, they're beating the beating you to death around the rim and, and uh in the mid-range. But again, the it was just interesting how that was kind of the the strategy deployed by the Warriors, knowing that you know their advanced scouts came out that, that this is what they saw, this is what they wanted to deploy against Phoenix, you know. And Dave King, uh, the host of the Solar Panel podcast and managing editor of Bright Side of the Sun, one thing that he tweeted out during the game, he said one of the best things about the Suns is there's actually not one guy you can target, you know, because that's kind of like, like, think back to to uh, playing the Denver Nuggets in the uh, playoffs last year. The Phoenix Suns would target MPJ all day long. 
they 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 could find that guy defensively who could they could just take advantage of and man did they and the warriors kind of had the same strategy tonight obviously the suns had the same strategy and we're going to talk about him momentarily uh because they could just target the paint and just destroy it will but the suns due to their wing defense and their switchability make it hard for a team even the team as as great as golden state to do just that yeah and if you're trying to guard one guy we have a lot of cutters on our team so that makes mm -hmm. it even more difficult so as soon as you try to double someone or you know chris paul is so smart there's a well, couple i'm talking about the other game. side of the ball i'm talking about the other side of the ball the sun's on defense you can't target us on defense because everybody can switch out of each other Oh, are you talking about defense the, the entire whole time? time? The entire time. I was talking about defensive ratings and everything. <laughs> you know, Matthew, you All know right. what you need to do on this one? Terrible. Take a lap. Just take that a lap. terrible. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. All right. All right. Watch. All right, Matthew, now I'm going to talk about the offensive side, whereas you can't target any defender on Phoenix on defense. The Suns can target the opposition, and each night they find the matchup that's most beneficial to them. Obviously, tonight it was the interior, and it was DeAndre fucking Ayton tonight who feasted. Uh, you know, obviously with with Devin Booker going down, you knew that the points were going to have to come somewhere, yeah. and it came from the 24 points. 11 rebounds, five of those, or I'm sorry, six of those on the offensive end from DeAndre Ayton, uh, 11 for 19 on the night. He also had one steal and two blocks. Uh, mad props to DeAndre Ayton. You know, I, I've played this drop before, but it's time to remind you. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Dude, he balled out tonight. He's earning that check every night, man. Oh, man. Um, you know, uh, I don't think I've ever seen him in the first six minutes of this game ever come out and play the way he was playing. There was just a different kind of energy in him where he was grabbing offensive rebounds, coming back from like the three-point line just to crash the boards. Like he's really never doing that. Four for five early in the, in the game, him and McGee, of course, kind of went back and forth between minutes. But he didn't even have any touches really in the second. So to put up those numbers, mm -hmm. play the defense he was playing, and then also the block against Curry, like he was just everywhere on the court and the energy was just there. It's nonstop. That's the thing that was like always in the past. It's always the thing that Booker would bring up. Like, this is how you can play. I Now I can see like there is a different edge to, to what Aiden can do on the court. And it's just like him just roaming around everywhere. Like how I mentioned before with the Warriors were kind of shrinking. Mm -hmm. DA was getting massive and massive and massive down there. You could not... Stop that. He had the turnarounds in the third quarter that looked absolutely brilliant. Yeah. They what was that even, shot, dude? Even he, he looked like Jordan out there. Yeah, he missed a couple, but he looked like he was in such a flow where he would grab the ball and, and quickly go to the move. It wasn't any hesitation at all. It was just something, even if the ball did not go in, he looked very, very confident in it. It was a different game, and we know DA can he can basically have his best games on national TV, right? He's always mic'd yes. up. He's always the guy that's really focused on. He's the most exciting player right now for the Suns that has a good game. When he does, he's, I don't, every time we take notes, it's the most notes I, I take out of any player, which is two little notes, but no, I'm just kidding. But there's seriously something with Aiton. There's just electricity around him to where he does shine. It's, I think it's more than any other player. I know Chris Paul puts up the stats and stuff and he has those amazing plays, but between the legs, shaking any kind mm -hmm. of defender he wants. But when DA has games like this, it's bigger than any player on the Suns, I think, where it comes into the next day or tonight when we're talking on the podcast where it gets everyone going, buzzing, all the jamsters in the comments. It's all about DeAndre Ayton. You know, you have the the CP3 stuff. When Booker goes off, yeah, it's great. It's fun. It's, it's exciting. He's going to be an all-star. But when DA does it, it's just something else. It's something special. Well, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, a possession where like he gets the ball and he doesn't hesitate. Right. And yeah. then I wrote in my notes on a couple of possessions, he did hesitate, but in a good way where he, you know, the, he, he got the ball on the block. He waited, he let the defense kind of set, and then he went to work, you know, back down, back down hook shot. And, and so the different ways that he was performing tonight on the offensive end was unbelievably fantastic. He hits the turnaround, Michael Jordan, like fade wave. It felt like we, I know it's not, yeah. but at the same time, like, you know, this is a, an individual who's becoming more well-polished in his game. And when he was asked to step up tonight, when the Phoenix Suns went in with the game plan and says, listen, they got loony down there. 
Like you can throw this guy in the cement mixer, pretend he's Jokic for the night because he always plays well against Jokic. He's like, yeah, pretend he's Jokic and just go, go crazy on him. He did that. And yeah, you know, I see some of the comments, you know, it's like, Hey, they, they should have fed him more. They should have fed him more. I felt like they mm-hmm. fed him the appropriate amount. You know, I've always said like, is if Dion, if Deandre Ayton's getting about 15 to 19 shots a night, that's right where you want him. You don't want him to go into the Carl Anthony Towns world of 25 shots a night. He ended with 19 attempts tonight. And I think that because, again, you can't make your entire offense, every possession, pass the ball to D.A. You have to get other guys engaged. You have to take advantage of other things. And, again, you can feed it down to D.A. to allow the defense to collapse. He kicks it out, and then other good things can happen. So, But, it all again, it all starts with DeAndre Ayton's uh, ability to navigate the interior and to be effective in doing so. And we saw that right off the bat tonight. You know, he had the nine points in the first quarter. Uh, and then he went into just full dominating effect. I mean, he was the most dominant player on the court tonight, in my opinion. He was grabbing rebounds. He was making the shots. He was setting up his team. He was blocking Steph Curry from from three. Uh, you know, he, there, there was one <laughs> yeah. play where he got switched on Curry, and Curry's doing all his quick moves, which he's you know known for. And Curry just had to pass out of it because DA just stood there and just was like, I am a man, dude, and you are not getting by me. And, you know, again, uh, I, I saw it with Jordan Poole. Same thing. Jordan Poole work, navigates himself into a switch with DeAndre. And he's like, oh, sweet. I got the, a big guy on me. Now, on a normal night for Jordan Poole, that's an opportunity to go ahead and either shoot a three or pump fake, get the guy up in the air and you know drive the basket. But DA's just rooted in defense and shot deterrence. It's like, listen, you can you pump fake it, my hand's right here. You try to go by me, I'm still right here. I've got the lateral mm-hmm. quickness. And same thing, he tried to drive by him. He ended up kicking the ball out because it was a dead end. Dead end DeAndre's is becoming a thing right now because if you try to go in there against him, n- nothing good is going to happen for you. you. When you couple that with the way that he's playing offensively as of late, uh, I mean, he is just max this guy, max this guy, paid this man his money, right, Matthew? Jeez. Yeah. No, and even the play where Steph Curry gets by him, Mikhail Bridges comes over and swats the ball. So he knows yes. he has a backup. He does as much as he can out there, which is a lot for a big man to stay on stuff. Yeah. And it, there's not very many big men who can actually stay on Steph. And that's one of the, uh, you know, the big takeaways again is how amazing he's been playing. Now you have the, the secondary guy, the guy who also likes to play center as well. He's, he comes in, you know, when Deandre Ayton isn't playing. Double O McGee. So you have JaVale McGee going to me. You like that new drop? <laughs> I love it, man. I watched it like three times on Twitter. It was hilarious. Oh, well, thank, you. Thank, you for, thank, you, thank you very much. Uh, but McGee, you know, he didn't have an amazing night. He only played the eight minutes, but he had eight points in eight minutes, four or four from, uh, from the field, you know, a couple rebounds. It was interesting, the, the Sun strategy in this one. And... You know, you knew DA was going to dominate the interior. JaVale McGee had a more productive first half than he had second half. I think, uh, how many minutes did he play? Let me pull this up real quick. First half, JaVale McGee minutes played uh, 4 2 4. So, I mean, they pretty much said you're playing four minutes in the first half, you're playing four minutes in the second half. And what they wanted to do was, you know, utilize small ball lineups, things that the Warriors hadn't seen, because the Warriors made no mistake about this entering this game. This was a big one to to them. This is one they circled on the calendar. They had their advanced scouts there. They were ready for this game. And so what Monty Williams did is he's like, okay, you're used to JaVale coming in. We're going to go ahead and we're going to go with some small ball lineups. Uh, what was one of the lineups that I wrote down? I mean, it was it was Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, Devin Booker before he got hurt, Mikhail and Cam Johnson. Cam mm-hmm. Johnson was playing the five. Uh, and that that was effective until Devin Booker got hurt. Now as the, as the game progressed, uh, they had a sub Booker out. That's where you saw some of the Alfred Payton minutes, and they weren't as successful. In fact, that's who cooked. That's when the Warriors cooked and kind of got back in the game a couple times. Uh, but you know, Javale McGee again killed the zone when they tried to throw the zone at us. And you know, although he didn't have the most positive uh, effect in this game relative to total time played, he was effective when he was out there. He was, and it seems like he played like more minutes. When I looked at eight minutes, I'm like, wait, what? We still got to do the drop, though. So I'm glad you pulled that off because it's so <laughs> yeah. effective. You know, when he was in the game, you just you think it's more. But the small ball lineup was interesting because I remember when Shamit came into the game, I'm like, okay, he's replacing Cam Johnson. or And I'm like, oh, Cam's still out there, so he's playing the five. And Cam, I mean, he 
he did his best in the game. And this is something that Monty's been doing, right? Where he's throwing different things at teams. Like we talked about before in the pod, other pods were like, Shamit would have the ball offensively bring it up the core. Like there's just different things that he is implementing into this offense. And he's, he's expanding like just ways where teams can't really look at film, but okay, this is the Suns. This is what they're going to do because mm-hmm. you don't really know. There's so much depth on this team to where even if Frank Kaminsky's out, you still have Cam Johnson that can play the five. You know, he's a tweener that we said three, four, but when you're playing a team like, like the Golden State Warriors where they don't have the depth inside, then yeah, you can, you can be small. And it's exactly what they did. And it was effective. It was something that really kept them in the game. So I, I don't know if you expect to see more of it, but I mm-hmm. still, I would still love me some more of JaVale McGee because eight minutes is not enough. I'm with you 110%. And what's interesting is we're going to play this team again on Friday. And I bet you we see a little bit more JaVale McGee in that game because the the Warriors are going to make some adjustments. Now, granted, you know, we played Detroit in between. And, man, I hope we beat Detroit. Going to 18 and setting the franchise record. I mean, you you can't can't fall for that trap game. You've got to come in focused in this in that game and uh and again you know we'll we'll talk about that at the back end of the pod but uh it's interesting to see again that that's the advantage of depth you know we've talked about on the pod no, numerous times and again reminder if you're here hit that thumbs up button down below uh, down below let everyone know where the best post game pod on planet orange is if you're listening to the podcast please subscribe rate review leave us a five-star review on apple podcast and we'll play it right here on the pod we're reading such uh but the depth of this team is so so paramount because you know the, the other side of this conversation you know one is we can flex like we did tonight we can throw random lineups at you and just confuse you and if you if the opposition's confused for three minutes trying to figure out hold on what the fuck's going on here cam johnson's playing the five okay who do we guard you know because this then we turn into like the clippers lineup last year in the playoffs where they're playing five out we're starting to throw some five out offenses at you and you're just like what do you do and by the time you become undiscombobulated we've now put deandre ayton back in the game we've bought three minutes of da on the bench you know that's a, another way that this team can beat you is with depth uh and and, and covering for devin booker you know not having him playing in this game that's going to be another interesting side of this conversation again tomorrow on whatever replaced the jump because i what is it, nba today and you know it's like not only did the suns win they won by eight they shut down steph curry and they were without the western conference player of the week after he started off extremely hot like i can't tell you how many different ways like this is the perfect scenario when i woke up this morning in phoenix arizona before i hopped on the flight right here to lovely reno nevada once again i'm like living in reno these days um and Matthew, we were both down in Vegas last week, so it's actually kind of nice to do a podcast sober. Am I right? But <laughs> <laughs> not for fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah, those are uh, yeah. whatever. But 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 again, you know, having uh, the national media take a look at this team and saying, you know, like if when I woke up this morning and looking forward to doing this podcast tonight with you, this is the scenario I wanted. Outside of Booker being hurt, it's like every check mark was hit by the Suns again tonight. Like they continually prove that team basketball trumps all. Yeah, and that's one thing. That's why the Suns aren't covered. Someone actually tweeted about it, how the Suns are a team. That's why they're not covered nationally. And that's fine with me, seriously, still. But the way that Chris Paul really does slow everything down, mm-hmm. and like he just attaches himself to basically every player walking up the court. like He is just maneuvering everything as he comes down the court, um, just hopping, skipping, doing whatever he wants against these guys offensively. It, it's it, You don't, you can't, you can't stop it. There's just multiple plays where Chris Paul would just throw passes basically behind his back to like Jay Crowder, whoever just would pop back for three. Uh, he would find the guy that the defense is not looking at, which I don't know how it happens, but he does do that. And that is the reason why the Suns do win games like this, because he can just slow it down. The defense, no matter how good you are defensively, you can't stop what Chris Paul can do offensively. I You can't. Usually defense usually can win out. In, in the NBA, right? But his offense is just so much better. You can't it's stop It's both, him. though, with him. I mean, so let, let, it's time to give him yeah, some flowers, man. 15 points, 11 rebounds, 5 steals, Matthew. I mean, again, mm-hmm. uh, he, he ends with 7 of 13 shooting, 1 for 3 from deep, facilitated this offense to a victory, hit that one spin-around shot, uh, where it's like he's like I'm gonna spin and then spin again and then you know hits a you know yeah. he just big shot after big shot knowing that his team needs him facilitates the offense effectively uh, only had two turnovers so five steals two turnovers I mean and and he's coaching the whole way 
you know, he talked about it on the post game with as the guys in, uh, from the TNT. You know, you had you had Chuck and Shaq and Kenny were asking him questions. You know, Shaq's asking about Da, and he's like, "Man, I ride that kid hard." You know, and and you know, we talked the entire game, and but I I expect a lot out of him, and you know, again, it's it's his leadership that is is unparalleled in the NBA. And don't get me wrong, like Steph Curry is an amazing basketball player. He's one of the funnest basketball players to watch. And I assume he's a great leader because he's been in a lot of interesting situations in Golden State uh, relative to different roster configurations, uh, Kevin Durant coming in. And he yeah. is the most selfless player in the NBA. But I have never seen him lead in the same manner that Chris Paul leads a team. And obviously, they're two different players, two different styles of play. And he might lead more by example, or he might lead more by putting up 28 points a night. But you got Devin, or I'm sorry, you got Chris Paul, who's leading the league in assists. And he's right up there. Last I checked, he was third in the league in steals. And after a night like tonight, you know, it's going to put him right back up. And it's just, you know, this Chris Paul has been nothing but short of a revelation and and once again he did it tonight and assisted in leading his team to a victory uh that not a lot of people have really picked the suns in this one no and also chris paul just really quick he was at the end of the game he was in their defensive he was getting the rebounds yeah. he made sure i mean he stepped out of bounds once but he was always in there trying to just take the ball away from the warriors i mean how many times he went up to a warrior just ripped the ball away from him yeah, and also defensively under under the glass was just he was there. He was tipping the ball. He was grabbing the boards. He was always in the right position. That's how you lead too. I mean, last five minutes, all out energy. He saves that energy. Then he's there. He's scrapping for everything. That's the one thing he does. A lot of these guys in the MVP race don't do. So that's our MVP. Man. He, he plays both sides of the ball. That's the key, man. He plays mm -hmm. both sides of the ball. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention real quick was Jake Crowder. Uh, he hit those yeah. two threes. You know, once we enter clutch time minutes, you know, it was we, we went right in, you know, it's five minutes. Uh, I think we were up three. It was like 92 to 89 at that point. And the Suns closed the game on what a 12 to seven run to do so. And it started with Jay Crowder just hitting two monster threes, uh, five for 11 from the field, four for nine for deep and uh, 14 points plus six rebounds for Jay Crowder. But how huge were those threes? It was Jay, Jay, and then Landry Shamit got one and totally redeemed himself because I did not think he was having <laughs> yeah. a good game tonight. Obviously, Shamit ends with nine points, uh, three of nine from the field, two for seven from deep. But uh, I didn't think it was a good Landry game, but I did think it was a good Jay game. Tell me what you saw from both yeah. of those guys. Well, Jay Crowder, as soon as he comes out two for three from three, I'm like, this game's over. The Suns won. I feel like every time he starts the game that that well, it's always usually going and go good for the Suns. Yeah. Uh, the two clutch threes, I mean, he just hits them perfectly. And I think Shamit does that too. Um, he'll hit some clutch threes, and they keep giving him the ball in those situations because they know he can knock them down, right? Mm -hmm. He had a terrible night before that last three, and they just keep feeding him. It's kind of like when like DA was down low and missed a couple of gimmies, they kept feeding him. You know what I mean? So they trust these guys in their spots to really hit those shots. I mean, he wouldn't be paid. He wouldn't be in the game right there. They didn't think he can make those threes, and he does. And Jay Crowder, of course, he's going to make them. Like He'll have those games, right? But this game, you knew as soon as you started. It's just like, okay, <laughs> this is going to be a good Suns team. Get that crowd going. That's Jay Crowder's thing. It's like and even Cam Johnson, the way he's playing, don't replace this guy right now in the starting lineup. I know I've always said that. I know I've always wanted that. But right now, what Jay does, and you can ask for more leaders in that starting lineup with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but Jay's another one of those, right? Mm -hmm. He's a Big guy time. that really can get the crowd going from his three-point makes. It's weird. I think the volume goes up more with him making them than any other player really on this team. I don't know if that's probably something crazy, but we should probably get the decimal thing out there <laughs> to see how loud the reaction is for each guy hitting their threes because Jay Crowder, he it, it, that place goes crazy every time he hits a three. I'll tell you another guy who gets a lot of love when it comes to threes uh, is Campaign. He's definitely somebody who yeah. I think, you know, because you like to mention how much he just shouts. Uh, and I think every time he hits a three, he starts shouting so away. loud. I think he that, doesn't do that anymore. Oh, he did after a three tonight. I'll tell you oh, that. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but if, if you look at Jay Crowder and here's one of the reasons why I think it's, uh, you know, he, he, the crowd gets so excited when he hits those threes is because he yeah. does the majority of his three point hitting, if you will, on at home, you know, this year he's shooting 41.3% coming into tonight at home versus just three 33.8% 
uh, from the field. If you look at his three point shooting, he's 35.7 on the road or I'm sorry, at home. And he's only 29% at, at uh, away from footprint center. So he's one of those guys who just feeds off that home home crowd energy, which, you know, if, if you're somebody who was at the game tonight, fantastic job. We could hear you on TV. Yeah. The national, Super loud. The, the national broadcast, the TNT guys were, were commenting on it. You know, that's what it's about. It's a true home court advantage when you come into the footprint center and you have to play the Phoenix <laughs> Suns. Uh, one thing I will bring up, just quick side note. So, you know, mm-hmm. the logo for the footprint center, mm-hmm. they really no. missed an opportunity. You don't know the logo for the footprint no, center. It's I don't. Like on, I'll it's look like, it up right now though. It's like on the floor whenever they're playing, like all you have to do is look it up. Uh, but, but one thing that they missed, I feel like, I don't know the, the footprint people missed is like, all they had to do was turn their logo the other way. And it would have made perfect sense. Cause it looks like an F Because if you look at it, it kind of looks like a, like a, backwards f i know okay I, I know no, i I'm, see it yeah it's kind of like a fila f or something kind of right yeah you, but it's backwards yeah i'm seeing that now so, just total good side point note. good thing to, yeah maybe they'll listen to you john well no one will listen to me they're a multi-million dollar corporation who have a <laughs> naming rights and they're like oh shit now's the time to to change mm-hmm. the logo so uh, a couple things i want to talk about when it comes to the warriors uh jordan pool you know, yeah. he's he's the guy who when Clay Thompson comes back is going to return to the bench. And he's definitely somebody who's going to make this team uh, in the long run. Just fantastic when it comes to depth. Ends the night with 28 points to lead uh, all scores in the game. Uh, nine for 15 from the field, six for 12 from deep. He had 16 of the Warriors first 26 points on six to seven shooting, including four or five from deep. And then you had Otto Porter. Uh, who was just killing it too. And and between Jordan Poole and Otto Porter, they had 30 of the Warriors' 53 first-half points. Uh, what do you see from these guys, man? Well, I mean, Jordan, that was really annoying, right? Jordan Poole in the first quarter, what he was doing. Yeah. You, you, it's been a while, I feel like, since we've had a guy that really, I mean, he's going to be like the most improved player, of course, winning that award this year. But we never really had a guy go off, I feel like, against us. This season, I, I might be wrong, but I feel like we this haven't had that guy. Point, like, because we really haven't. And we usually, well, we can cover it up, right? We get, we can find this guy and we can cover him. But tonight, it was difficult. Well, I mean, we, we spent so much time on on uh, Steph Curry that it opens up pool. But you're right. Like, we haven't had to do this drop all season long. The Jack Taylor Award. For the guy who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. But and he that, is somebody, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Jordan he's, Poole, he's known now. Yeah, he's known now. Year. You know, yeah. he, but, but he's somebody, yeah, you're right. He's not just the random guy coming off the bench who, who scorches you. Uh, kind of yeah. like Otto Porter. But again, Otto Porter's been in the league long enough. We know who he is. He's somebody who we've wanted on the team. Uh, you know, he ended four of eight from three. I mean, those were the two killers. I mean, combined, they were, what, 10 for 20 from three? And they yeah. kept... They kept the Warriors in this game for the majority of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he was a flame. Both of them are flamethrowers tonight, man. Yeah. And honestly, um, what, what Jordan Poole does, I, I like it. It's, it's, it's interesting because he's going to get paid. And I think of course, when Clay Thompson comes back, you're like, okay, put him on the bench. This is just something I got to throw out there. Mm-hmm. I know everyone's excited for Clay to come back and mm-hmm. everyone's like, okay, this, if this team gets Clay back, they're going to win it all. I don't think that happens in sports. I don't think that ever happens in the history of any like football, basketball. Anytime a team is like really, really great and they're like, okay, wait for this player to come back and we're going to win it all. I don't think it ever happens. I think it goes opposite. I think the term, team turns mediocre. Any kind of chemistry, any kind of you know good juju they had going into the playoffs or something or even into the final games of the season and he comes back, it's kind of ended. I mean, Jordan Poole, you're going to put him on the bench. It's going to be a different team, dude. I'm not saying they're going to suck with Clay Thompson. I'm just saying it's going to take some time to adjust, and this year is not their year, maybe next year. I just think people are kind of blowing that out of proportion. I love Clay; He's one of my favorite players to yeah. watch, but I just think it's going to be a different team. It's not going to be the same at all as what they're playing right now. Allow me to retort. Jeez. I love this point, and I agree with it 100%. Clay Thompson's coming off of two pretty significant leg injuries. And you're right. Everybody keeps saying it's like, dude, you think the Warriors are good now? 
wait till they get clay back it's like dude they're 18 and 3 now like what are they just gonna be undefeated for the rest of the season with clay back like that's not how it works like it's gonna take time for him to work himself back into shape we don't Mm -hmm. know you know what what made clay thompson amazing his defense and his shooting and his ability to score points without dribbling the ball well, how do you score points without dribbling the ball? Well, you're constantly moving, utilizing back screens, utilizing double back screens, doing what you can to free yourself up. After two leg injuries, you don't know how his body is going to respond and if he's going to have the same level level of quickness on both offense and defense to be as effective as he once was. Do I want him to be? Of course. I love basketball players to be healthy because, you know, it's 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 you want to beat a team at their best, you know, and, and that's the, again, the funny thing about tonight is like the Warriors beat the Suns and we weren't at our best, man. Devin Booker wasn't out there, but I don't see how you just plug clay in and all of a sudden this is like the greatest team since, you know, the Jordan 96 bowl yeah. or whatever. So, I mean, I agree with your point there. So uh, we'll see, you know, again, how they are moving forward. It is going to take, it's going to create a different chemistry for this team. And, and you know, we'll, we'll sit back and watch and see how it goes. And, you know, so far we've got one up on them on a tiebreaker. So uh, shout out real quick to So Serious in the chat. He donated $4.99 uh, via the Elite Chat. We truly appreciate that. We're going to utilize that to get Matthew a Cameron Johnson jersey. He goes, here's what I find funny. Versus the Nets, the go-to excuse was turnovers. Tonight, the same story versus the Warriors. Hmm, could it be the defense? LOL, 110%. And that's one of the things that we talked about at the top of this podcast. You know, it's it's 23 war, uh, Warrior turnovers this evening, but the mm-hmm. Suns forced a lot of those turnovers. And that's what I, again, I just, I don't know what the national media is going to say. I don't know if I care, but I'm always listening to what they say. You know, I'm on Twitter. I'm listening. I'm seeing what people are saying. And part of me, I like part of me, I truly just don't give a shit because as long as you keep downplaying what the Suns are doing, like, cool, we'll just continue to beat the shit out of people and surprise you. But part of me is kind of like, come on, man, give these guys some credit for what they did. And they did it again tonight. They played with defense. They played as a team. They played in the clutch. They did everything that they've done literally all season and through this 17 game win streak. So give them a little bit of flowers, right? Yeah. And I've been listening to Bill Simmons for like 10 plus years. Podcast, BS yes. report. Never, of course, has he ever picked the Suns to win a championship till this year. So for me, you would think like, oh, that would mean everything to me. Like that that's glorious. Like the Suns are gonna win it all because Bill Simmons said it. It's like, no, like now that I'm like older, I just feel like all of it's just I don't think Bill Simmons is fake, but a lot of the ESPN stuff's fake. So don't buy into that because it doesn't matter. Cause this, you know, the Suns team doesn't care. They have their yeah. own agenda. And it's something that is different from what everyone else is saying. They're more positive. They're together. They're more united. You, you were watching Chris Paul at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. He said they're just having fun out there, right? Stuff like that. That's the way the Suns team is. Big time. Big time. And, you know, again, they, they don't care about what anybody has to say. We've seen Mikhail Bridges go on podcasts, you know, J.J. Reddick's podcast, who, as you mentioned, you know, he's now helping out ESPN. I love having J.J. Reddick on ESPN, probably because he's, he's good. Boy, he's good, man. He'll fight right back, especially with Steven Stupid A. So. Yeah. Jam star of the game. Hi, Jamsters. This is your time that if you're listening, please just subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're watching, let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game is. Matthew, this is a tough one. So I'm going to let you go first. All right. I'm going to go with the first comment I see. All right. Oh, Bridges. I'm not gonna pick Bridges. I'm gonna pick. Uh, I guess I'll go with CP3. You do, you're not gonna pick Bridges. I, Why? I can't just Why? because I know his defense was great. All right, but Chris yes. Paul, the way he ended the game, the okay. five minutes defensively, boarding, rebounding, he looked like he was seven feet in there grabbing the boards, and the way he just maneuvered the offense is something you can't ignore. The way Da played tonight too, of course. His energy was just something else, but I'm gonna have to just go CP3 on this one, man. He because we've been talking about MVP the last couple of weeks in the media, and I think CP3 made a statement tonight where he should be acknowledged as one of the leading candidates. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because I guess just if you look at the stat line, Mikhail Bridges only ended with two points. You know, so obviously you're just like, yeah, okay, but- well it it can't be Mikhail Bridges because the points. But again, I mean the defense that he played was just unbelievably huge for i mean when, when you shut down the top scorer in the league this isn't yeah, you know this know. isn't carmelo anthony you know uh it's like wd says yep he sent curry to jail today you know harden and, than curry you know 
<laughs> yeah, Harden than Curry. I mean, think about that. Uh, we got yeah. some love for Bridges, some CP3, Point God, uh, Alfred Payton, LOL. Yeah, those were some rough minutes. Uh, DA, Bridges, McHale, CP3, McHale, Aiton. I mean, you really can't go wrong on, on this one. You said CP3. Um, I'm going to give it to DA. And and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm definitely right there. I believe that the Warden did do a fantastic job. Uh, but I'll give it to DA because I just think that he set the tone. He was a man amongst men tonight. He imposed his will. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> Matt Damon, or DA. <laughs> you know, so I mean... That that's who I got to give it to. I mean, there's there's no wrong answer, obviously, to this one. Monty, Monty. yeah, that was funny. Him stepping on the court. Yeah, yeah, Monty get a technical right in clutch time. He's like, oh shit! It was after Jay Crowder hit one of those threes. He's just yeah. I just love his reaction though. After it's like, oh my bad, guys. (laughs) He's like, he's like, God damn it! I I don't (laughs) messed up now. So, um, real quick, I do want to bring up this segment real quick. Jamsters react. What's a Coyotes jersey, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So this is one we haven't done in a while. But one of the things that I reached, I did on YouTube is I reached out to our elite Jamsters. So if you're interested in becoming an elite Jamster, all you have to do is click the little join button down below or follow the link in the description of this uh, broadcast. And I just reached out and was like, hey, if you got any questions for the pod, you know, just let us know. Hit us up. So uh, one of the ones that I really want uh, that I want to bring up is from Coda Kid, one of our loyal elite champsters. He goes, the way the this team is built right now and what they've done so far, do you still believe that we need one piece at the four or do you honestly wait for Super Dario to come back, which would be around playoff time? So what, what do you think about that, Matthew? Okay, yeah, earlier in the season, I thought there was one more piece we needed. All right, so things change, of course. I think the way the Suns, of course, last year, going to trade deadline nothing so they really trust this team I, I don't know how you can't trust them right now with this win and then just the way they're playing with the backups coming in with injuries everyone's filling the roles that they didn't even know they would have coming into this season mm-hmm. and they're doing spectacular i mean i frank was amazing now you got cameron johnson playing the stretch five like there's just things that this this team can do individually where they can just expand their roles and fill them great and i I don't know. Of course, one more piece would be great, but you can't mess with this right now. And I'm not just saying after this game, but the win streak, everything, you can't just, you would have to trade away a piece. And you don't want to trade anything out of here unless Bingo. it's like Jalen Sticks, of course. It has to be somebody, if you want a really good piece, it would have to be someone from this unified group right now to take them out. That would just screw everything up. So I'm not all about that. And, you know, that's one thing that I think we both agree on. And I, if I feel like the majority of people, don't is yeah. they always think that one more piece could be added they always think one, a, a guy can get more minutes you know i'm sure there's somebody in the comment tonight or somebody on twitter somewhere is like yeah dude this is great that the Suns just beat the warriors <laughs> right it's fantastic 17 row fuck yeah but can we get some more sticks minutes like people always want what they don't have and i love what we have right now in every aspect of what this team is so dakota kid's question he's like do you just kind of sit around and, and wait on dario and 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 hope on that I say yes. I say, you know, come playoff time, if Dario has the capacity to come back and play, you put you plug him in as your power forward backup on a, on a third team basis. You know, yeah. I mean, Frank and him out there if if we need it. So again, I, it just adds to the depth. I think that you know we're we're balanced across the board. Why, as you mentioned, why mess with the chemistry? So again, Coda, thank you so much for that question. We do have some other questions in there that we'll address on future podcasts. Uh, but again, if you want to become an elite jamster, just click that join button down below. Uh, next up, we have the Pistons on Thursday night. Uh, second game of two at home for the Phoenix Suns. What are you looking for in this one outside of a victory for your Phoenix Suns, Matthew? Let's go. Let's get this go. one over with, right? Come on, let's just get this one over with. Let's get. 18. Let's just win it. You know, if, if they lose this game, does this last game mean as much? Of course it does. One hundred and ten percent. It does. But getting eighteen is pretty awesome. I think last last pot is like, ah, eh, this streak doesn't mean anything. I did have a little bit to drink. It doesn't mean anything. We gotta wait till the playoffs before really. <laughs> I don't even know how I remember that I said that, but um, yeah, this this game we gotta get in there. I don't know if Kate Cunningham's even playing. I don't even, 
I don't know what they got going on over there with the Pistons right now, but I just know it should be an easy win. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what they got going on with the Pistons. Uh, not much is is what I'm going to kind of err on the side of not much. You know, you look at them right now; they're currently four and sixteen. They are the second worst team in the NBA right now. Uh, they they just haven't really, you know, done what you thought they would after they got the yeah. number one overall pick. They're a team that they're a team that that is trying to develop Cade Cunningham, the number one overall pick in the draft. They're trying to develop Sadiq Bay. They're still led in scoring by Jeremy Grant. And if, you know, if that's the case, you're, you're not going to be a, a top tier team. Jeremy Grant is a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong, but he shouldn't be your number one option on offense. He's a great role player as he's shown uh, when he played with the Denver Nuggets. So he needs to kind of return to that role. Uh, and of course, you know, the guy who's who started three games, played a total of 18 and averaging 7.7 points per game and 3.6 rebounds is your boy, Josh Jackson. So, uh, you know, obviously we're predicting a win for this one, right, Matthew? Yeah, we got the win. Yeah, that's and, and man, that'll that'll make this win streak legal. You know, they can they can buy cigarettes and uh, Playboy. Yeah, uh, because it'll, it'll, be, it'll be 18. <laughs> it'll be 18. So, uh, you know, looking forward to that game and looking forward to uh, let, let's see how many people we lose here, Matthew. Childhood trauma. So we're at the back end of the podcast. To those who've stuck around, we, we appreciate it. Subscribe, rate and review. But we have about five minutes left, and I figured, you know, one of the things that we do from time to time is we do our childhood trauma segment where we completely go off topic and we just talk about childhood traumas that we have experienced throughout our lives. So yeah. on the last edition of this, uh, I revealed that my dad's a paranoid schizophrenic manic depressive with agoraphobia, and he raised pigeons. Uh, and Matthew got into a van as a very young lad and just started driving away. Is there anything else you want to share? Yeah, actually, last pod we I did it with Suns Geek, and um, I think I did. Was that a dream? No, I don't think it was a dream. Jam, just let me know. <laughs> I think I did one where um, I went to McDonald's. Yeah, I think I, I did say this one. I went to McDonald's, and I was embarrassed because I went to a woman's bathroom. I got another bathroom one. Oh, All right, man. If you want to hear this one. So, yes. Uh, I think it was first or second grade. Um, you know, got to drop a deuce. So I, I remember exactly if I go back to my school, I remember which bathroom, which stall. So I had to use the restroom. This was like, you know, I, I didn't have an issue back then. I would just go, you know, drop a deuce and leave. Mm -hmm. But when I went in there, two dudes came in, or two boys, two bullies came in. And as soon as I was sitting there, they started yelling at me. They're like, get. What, through the <laughs> stall? Yeah, they started yelling at me. They're like, oh, get man. out of there. Like, they just started harassing me. And um, I had to hurry up <laughs> and just leave. And you know what I missed doing? Oh, so I you just did left. wipe. And ever since then, I think about that a lot now whenever you have to use the public restroom. Ever since then, it's been a little rough for me. So that is actually very, very traumatic. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I've, I've seen counseling before, but not for that. So maybe this is something <laughs> I got to visit. So do you still have a fear of going to public restrooms or you still do it, but you don't have a fear, but you do like, you're always, you kind of are always afraid that somebody's going to come in and yell at you. I don't know. There's just a little bit of a fear, so I don't know. Have, um, yeah, I don't know why I shared that, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> we did lose uh, 20 viewers again. <laughs> <laughs> like, like instantly, instantly. Uh, real quick, Felix says, uh, book tweeted, no lost November. You know what? I tweeted no, no lost November right as it happened, so I beat you to it, Buck. Um, well, if we're going to go bathroom-style childhood trauma, hmm. I guess I have one. Uh, I grew up in Southern California, and one of the advantages of growing up in Southern California is when you took uh, field trips, they were to cool fucking places, right? So one time we got to go to Universal Studios Hollywood on the first grade trip, and it was really cool. I got to see the Ninja Turtles. It was right when, like, the Ninja Turtle movies were out and the action figures, you know. I mean, I was born 82, so this is about 80, 88, 89, and... Uh, I just remember being, it was so much fun. Everyone got like, a, got an action figure and all this stuff. So uh, the teacher's like, all right, everybody, it's time to go to the bathroom. So what I did is I went in there to go to the bathroom and I took my pants all the way down to the ground to, oh, to, nice. to, to take a, take a waz, take a waz. And there was a little kid who started laughing. He's like, oh my God, huh? and he laughed at me. And I was like, what are you laughing at? Yeah. And 
like I didn't really understand it. I remember going home and telling my sister about it. My sister's like, uh, I'm like a girl, so I don't know what bathroom etiquette is. My sister's three years older than me, but she's like, <laughs> but I don't think you're supposed to bare ass it in a bathroom publicly. <laughs> and I'll never forget the last day of first grade. We're all standing in line and to leave or something, and the teacher's saying goodbyes or whatever. And that kid was standing right in front of me, and he turns around and he and he he acted like he took his pants down and he laughed at me again. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! Like so, terrible. like so, so, like, have you seen uh? Oh, what is it called? Jonah Hill movie, super bad. Yeah, you know, you know where they're like, yeah. you know, like people never forget. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was that kid. That was he like scary. never forgot. What a prick that kid was. So, yeah, that's scary. I think uh, as I got older, my friends would like do that as joking around in the bathroom, just like they're like, oh, let's just <laughs> like in a public restroom, and then people just walking like, okay, yeah, you just don't want to see that the grown man. No, but. and you, and you don't want to see it like when you go to the Suns game. So, uh, speaking mm-hmm. of people who went to the Suns game tonight, shout out to So Says Jay, our good buddy over at Fanning the Flames. He was at the game tonight because why wouldn't he be? Uh, and he said in the chat, he said, "I had a dude barge in on me in a stall like two weeks ago. Most aggressive door opener ever. <laughs> it is. Some yeah, people just go scary. like right in, and like I, I've I've been in the stall recently at an airport." I was in the stall and same thing. Like somebody came in and I felt like they were trying to like block a lineman trying to get into my stall. Like the door <laughs> shut and all sudden it's like, bam, like a raptor yeah. was at the gate or something. And it was trying to get into that stall. It's like, dude, like you can go for the light push and notice that it's locked or you could just like, whoa, wham. So yeah. <laughs> anyways, folks, that's childhood trauma stories that we will always tell uh, just because we have a podcast and it's fun. Uh, but again, to recap this evening, your Phoenix Suns win by eight over the Golden State Warriors. They've pushed their winning streak to 17 straight, which ties the 2006-2007 Phoenix Suns for the longest in Phoenix Suns history. Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Thursday evening, we're going to break that by beating the Detroit Pistons. It's going to be a glorious day. I'll pop another water open uh, here in Reno. Uh, but again, thank you ever so much for joining us on the pod. We truly appreciate it. Make sure you hit those thumbs up buttons down below if you're watching live. If you are not watching live and you're watching later, hit the thumbs up button anyways. If you're on Facebook or Twitter watching, go to YouTube, hit the thumbs up buttons. It, go to our podcast feed, Sun's Jam Session. Look it up on any major, as they say on Fanny the Flames, pod forms. I got you, so says Jay. And give us a like, give us a, a rate, give us a review, do all that fun stuff. Uh, you can follow the show at Sun's Jam on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lucy. And you can follow him into the bathroom and mess with him when he's taking a turd. So uh, <laughs> until then, we'll see you Thursday right after the Suns game. Suns win, baby. Suns win. Go home, love your family. Amen. Go Suns, baby. Fuck yeah.